theyeshiva.net. I was invited some time ago to a dinner in Montreal of a particular community, which was a Sephardic community, and a particular community that was notorious for coming very late to events. So when they told me that my speech is going to be 7.30, I assumed it would be 8.30, 9.30. I was sitting there, it was 11.30, and the guest of honor was just called up to speak. And he liked to hear himself. It was almost chatzoy salaylu. Vayihiba I turned to the rabbi who invited me and I said, Hab rachmonas of the oilam. Not have rachmonas on me, meila. But the oilam, hab rachmonas, they hear, chvezvi lying. He says, no, 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 I want the full speech. I said, five minutes. He said, no, I hired you for an hour. I want you to speak for an hour. I said, you're nuts. You'll forgive me, but you're crazy. This is suicidal for you. Do it. No, I get up. I look at the oilam. Just looking at me, I could feel the agony in their eyes. The suffering, you know what I mean? I was basically the last thing between them and their mattresses. It was mamish. I didn't know if it's a get of Tsar Balachayim or Kavit Abriyas or Haftalar Echa That was a chkira. Because there was a lot of food that night, so it could be it was a different gather, but it wasn't a comfortable position to be in. So I get up, I say, I want to tell you about Maisa. There was once a fellow who was invited to speak somewhere. There was a Jewish event, and there were a lot of speakers before him. Anyway, he speaks, and he gets into it. They gave him an hour, he spoke for four. No, the first hour, half of the people leave. The next hour, another 20%. The next hour, another 20 Finally, the last hour, two guys stay. The last half an hour, one guy left, one guy remains. Comes over to him after his speech, and he says, Ah, all my life I was looking for the Talmud Muvuk. Elio, Anovi had Elisha. I was looking for the quintessential student who would carry my legacy for eternity. Finally, I have found him. Come, you'll follow me wherever I go and be doilu mashke meteris rabbi la'achere. What do you say about my brilliance? The man says, truthfully, I wasn't listening. He says, you weren't listening, so why did you remain four hours till the end? He says, because I'm the next speaker. (laughs) So I have for you good news and I have bad news. The bad news is I'm the next speaker. The good news is I'm the last speaker, but I'm the thing that stands between you and the barbecue. So I do understand the significance of my position. I am the mechitzah barzo that is being mafsik, being bnei Yisrael, and sudas of the David Malka Meshicha. And it's not a comfortable position to be in, especially after people who have been starving and dehydrated a whole Shabbos between the tea room and the grand ballroom, how would I be in such a position? Okay, so that's that. So I will try not to be mafsa between you and the Malava Malka, but to try to be the Arainfir, the appetizer, before the main course of the Malava Malka, Be'ezer Hashem Yisbaruch.
So, since the Gemara says in Pesachim that Rabbah or some Agoyrus Rava, Rabbi Nechananel is Goyrus Rava, would say a milsa de b'dichis before every shir, ubatchi rabbonim. He wanted the rabbis to laugh. Why did he start off a shir with an anecdote? I don't think it's the minig in the yeshivas today that the Rosh Hashiva starts off with an anecdote. One reason is maybe he wanted them to come on time. If they would come late, they had missed the joke, but probably there was a deeper reason than that. So I'll also begin with a milsa de b'dichis. It was once a Jew and a Hindu and a politician who went hiking in Texas. They get lost on the hike. Kivo HaShemesh, the sun sets, and there's no hotel, no motel to stay. They find a home and they figure southern hospitality will do them well. They knock on the door and a classic, classic Texan farmer opens the door. How can I help you? And they tell him their predicament, they need a place to sleep. Can they stay in his house for the night? He says, sure, my pleasure, my delight. It would be my privilege. The only problem is I have two beds in the house. So one of you fellows will have to sleep in the barn. Okay. The Jew is not going to sleep in the barn. The politician is not going to sleep in the barn. The Hindu, he goes to the barn. Ten minutes later, he knocks on the bedroom. The Jew and the politician open the door. The Hindu is there. They say, what's going on? He says, there's a problem. There's a cow in the barn. As a Hindu, there's no way I'm allowed to sleep with a holy cow. Hindus worship cows. There's no way I could sleep in the same room like a cow. Okay. They turn to the Jew. The Jew says, I'll go sleep in the barn. Ten minutes later, there's a knock on the door. The Jew is there. What's the problem? The Jew says, there's a chazer in the barn. There's a Dover Acher in the barn. There's no way a Jew, Geit Shlofen, Meta Chazerol, and Ain't Simmer. A Jew can't sleep with a pig in one room. I'm sorry, I need the bed. Oops. That's exactly what it sounded like. I'm sorry, I need the bed. The politician says, okay, I guess I'll go to the barn. So the politician goes into the barn, and 10 minutes later, there's a knock on the door. The Jew and the Hindu open the door, and the pig and the cow are standing there. I share with you this... Uh, <laughs> Us Americans are coming from a very heated political uh, atmosphere and ambiance. And I'm not choosing sides here in any way or form or fashion. But politics is politics is politics. And I think at such an event and such a Shabbos and such a Mitzayi Shabbos, it's important to be able to extricate ourselves from it, even though we're human and we have that component, what we call bias, egotism, corruption, etc. They tell a story that there was an immigrant, a immigrant, came to the United States, didn't know a word of English. But he wanted to become a citizen, so he asks his friend, he says, Yankel, V. Vertman, how do you become a Toysha? Become a citizen of America, he says, I'll hook you up with a clerk. He's been asking the same five questions for the last 50 years from every wannabe citizen. You don't have to know English. You don't have to learn history. You have to garnish your and you have to memorize five responses in English verbatim and you'll pass the test, you'll become a citizen. He says, what are they? He says, the first question he always asks is, what's your name? So the moment you hear, what's your name? You don't have to understand. You'll say, Moshe Weiss. Okay. Second question is always, how many children do you have? You'll hear that, you'll say five. The third question is, who was, how many, how many states are there in the United States? You'll say 50. The fourth question is, who was the first president of the United States of America? And you'll say George Washington. His last question is, do you have parents? And you'll tell him, thank God, both. 
For three months, Reb Moshe is memorizing the questions and the answers verbatim to be able to become a citizen. He goes in for the interview and the old clerk looks at him and says, I have five questions, we'll do this very, very fast. First question I have for you is, what was the name of the first president of the United States of America? Without skipping a heart's beat, he says, Moshe Weiss. Says, my next question is, how many states are there in the U.S.? He says, five. He says, tell me, how many children do you have? And the man says, 50. He says, now tell me, looks at this Jew, he came with a streimel, metakapote, metagartel, bedechilu, rechimu. He says, tell me, what is your name? He says, George Washington. The man on the other side of the desk understood immediately what is transpiring before his eyes. He says, tell me, who is Meshuggah in this room? You or me? And he says, thank God both. So I, <laughs> so here's the deal. I want to share with you a story. The story is a Maseches Yumadaf, the Masechta Yumadaf Lametes Ahmed Beis. Let's try to understand Pshat in the story. Tanu Rabbanon. Shimon Atzadik was a Kohen Gadol for forty years. Forty years was his tenure in the beginning of Bayesheni. He would say, so one day the Shemunat Sadik told his students, one year he came out, Yom Kippur from the Kodesh HaKadosh. And he told his Talmidim, I'm going to die this year. They said, why? Why do you say this? How do you know? And he said, every Yom Kippur, when I walk into Kodesh HaKadosh, who walks in with me? An old man bedecked in white, covered in white, walks in with me. And he walks out with me. But this year, Yom Kippur, I went in and what did I see? An old man also walked in with me. But the old man was and He was completely eclipsed and covered in black. And therefore, I know that my mission is over. So the Gemara Sukkis passed, and the Cholor Shemenat Sadik loy avru shiva yamim atshemais. A week later, Shemenat Sadik returned his soul to its maker. That's the end of the story. And I ask you tonight, Tayri Yidden, the whole leadership of Torah Masir on all levels. What is the meaning of the story? First of all, how does that prove to him that he's going to pass away? Second of all, who's this old man who's walking in and out with them, white, black? Isn't there a posseg v'chol odom lo yiyen? Parshas achiremois, b'voyoy l'chapra l'kodesh atzeisi, zokta Yerushalmi and Yuma, v'chol odom, afilu oison sh'aleim nemar, upnei odom. Even the Malachi Hashoris are not allowed to be there. V'chol Odom is not only Odom down here. Even the Pnei Odom, so to speak, the Shrofim, the Malachim Elyonim are not allowed to be there. Who's the Zokin Echot? That the Gemara leaves to our imagination, our understanding, and the Svarim Hagdoshim and the Mefarshim L'doyre say. I want to ask another question. I want to ask another question. I, know, I want to know what you would do if you were in the position. Rabbi Yoichinen, who we know from Brachis, was beyond handsome. Shufrid Rabbi Yoichinen. 
The visage of Rabbi Yochanan was stupendous. And Rabbi Yochanan is bathing where? In the Jordan River in the Yarden. Anybody here went bathing in the Jordan River? Okay. Rabbi Yochanan was in the Yarden. Reish Lakish, who in simple English was a gladiator, a powerful, muscular, mafiosa man, who got his parnosa not from very refined and noble feats, sees Rabbi Yochanan. And because of his physical strength and power, he leaps into the Jordan right near Rabbi Yochanan. Why did he leap in? You know what his kavana was. So the Mepharshim argue either he thought Rabbi Yochanan was a woman and he was seeking promiscuity or actually he was seeking Mishkav Zacher as some Mepharshim say in the Yaakov. So he's right there. If you're Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan is the God of Lador, the editor of Talmud Yerushalmi living in Eretz Yisrael in the third century after the common era, God of Lameroi Eretz Yisrael in the Yarden. And this gangster, this gladiator is standing there seeking one particular thing, which is Yaharig Valyavar. What would you say to this man? One would think Rabbi Yochanan would look at him and say, Menuval, Meshukets, 911, whatever, Kaddisha, whatever. Call the police, try to fight him, run away. None of the above. In full composure, he says two words. And these two words probably contain volumes of pedagogy, of psychology, of education, of Ashkofa Soilam. Two words. And the two words are, Ah! Cheloch Loirais. Such power! Such strength! Such creativity, such enormous personality, it belongs to Tyre. Shlokish was no dumb man. He looks at Rabbi Yochanan and he says, Shufrech Lenosh. Then your beauty belongs to women. You're telling me I'm in the wrong business? Rabbi Yochanan, you're in the wrong business. You don't belong in the Bismarck. You could be doing much better for yourself. What does Rabbi Yochanan say? What do you think Rabbi Yochanan would say? Astounding. He says, you think I'm gorgeous? Wait till you see my sister. Ah! As your Baba would say, Wait till you see my sister and you know what? If you change around your life, I'll suggest you for my sister. And we all know the end of the story. Shlokish does that. And he marries Rabbi Yochanan's sister and him and Rabbi Yochanan become the two spiritual Torah giants of the generation. Any yeshiva boch, any young man, any Jew learning Gemara, Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish, their debates and arguments, discussions and disputations, explanations, crown and adore every Mesechta numerous, numerous times in Bavli and of course Yerushalmi, which they themselves worked on. And I ask one question, number one, how in three seconds did Reish Lakish transform his life? What happened? From a gladiator, from a gangster, literally, from a person who was ready to do this, to a man who metamorphosized his destiny for eternity. Reb Shimon ben Lakish, from our greatest spiritual treasures, 
in Jewish history. And of course, some of you, leaders of institutions, supporters of Torah institutions, activists for Torah day schools and Torah education for decades and decades, have seen various educators and their approaches. Various rabbis, moras, teachers, rosh yeshivas, mashgichim, mashpiyim, mechanchim, mechanchos. And you know the answer. Rish Lakish asked himself one question. This man is ready to give me his sister? Really? You would offer your sister for Rish Lakish? Wow. He believes in me so much, but he understood when Rabbi Yochanan said, he wasn't joking. It wasn't a cute euphemism. You're so powerful, you should start learning. No! Rabbi Yochanan looked at him, he sized him up, and he said, Rish Lakish, I want you to seize the day. I want you to suck the marrow out of life. I want you to be more powerful than you are today. I want your full creativity unleashed. Physical, psychological, emotional, spiritual. You know where you'll be able to do it? Lairaisa! Torah comes from the Ein Soif. It has the power to unleash Ein Soif in the person. Somebody once asked me, how do you explain the extremism of Jewish liberalism? You know, there's no atheist like Jews. Because Jews are atheists in a religious way. They deny God with religious fervor. It's a unique type of atheism. So imagine Mozart growing up in a home without a piano. What would have happened to Mozart? The genius has to go somewhere. But where? Thank God he grew up in a house with a piano. So the world was enriched by Mozart, a Jew, Lahavdil. Growing up without Torah is a Mozart, but a Mozart without a piano. A Jew has koiches ein soifim, summoned at Har Sinai to change the world. So, what is the outlet? Sometimes the outlet becomes saving the whales in Indonesia. Sometimes the outlet becomes dealing with turtles in New Zealand. And sometimes the outlet becomes dealing with the underdog supposedly who's trying to destroy your own homeland and your own brothers and sisters. Rabbi Yochanan looked at him and said, And I'm serious. I like you. I love you. I see you. I'm ready to ask my sister to give you a chance. Somebody believes in me? To that magnitude, to that seriousness? Rishlakish said, Amen. The rest is history. Where did Rabbi Yochanan learn this from? I don't know. But the Gemara compares Rabbi Yochanan and Nomi Zara, the Yosef Kasina, Rabbi Yochanan said about himself why he could be by the mikveh. Anomi Zara, the Yosef, I'm from the children of Yosef. Isn't this the whole story? That fateful day, Aishas Poitifa remains alone. Vatispesehu, 
She grabs him by his cloak. Lay with me. He says, take my baguette. I'm out of here. Rashi says, from He saw the image of Yaakov, his father. What happened there? What image did he see? He didn't know what Yaakov looked like before. What image did he see? What's the bevigdoi? Tayyid we have here contained probably one of the most vital messages for the future of Torah, Messiah, and Jewish education and Torah education in the 21st century in the United States of America and the world at large. Namely, we have every story is also a metaphor. Here is the Jew, here is the kid Yosef, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery. But at the moment of truth, the Pasuk says, Vayimoyin, he refused, and there's a Shalshelis that's going to be read next week. One of four Shalshelis in the whole Chumash, there's only three more. Shalshelis, Vayimoyin, he refused, and it wasn't simple. Ravu Shmuel Chad Omar Lasso Istroch of Nichnas. He succumbed, but he saw the image of Yaakov, his father. What happened? Friends, my Tayyari Yidin, Moirev Rabbi there's one more Vayimoyin. There's one more Vayimoyin before Yosef's Vayimoyin. Right before Yaakov's Vayimoyin. Vayimoyin lehisnachim. Everyone comforted him for the dead kid. He said no. So the Gemara, why not? Gzeira al Yosef wasn't dead. He couldn't close the chapter. He couldn't say Kaddish and say, this is it. He couldn't forget. But what does it mean spiritually? What does it mean spiritually? Perhaps it means there's a family, there's a community that has a child. And the child falls into a pit of nechoshim v'akrabim. An abyss of addiction. An abyss of pain, of agony, of suicidal thoughts, of deep abuse. Sold into slavery, doesn't even belong to himself anymore. And everybody tells Yaakov, okay, but you have 11 beautiful kids. And you have 12 beautiful girls. Look who they are. Don't call my boy dead. Yosef is not dead. Yosef is alive. I know Yosef. Yosef is not dead. Don't write off my child. He's alive. He refuses to be comforted and close the chapter on Yosef and say, let's move on. You know what happens? Miles, miles, miles far away, entrenched in the abyss of Ervas Ha'aretz Tufezima, a 17-year-old lad Alone in the universe, without a mother, father, brother, sisters, community, yeshiva, support, Torah, so without anybody. Alone in the world, and the wife of Paitifer, the Gemari, and Yumadaf Lamed, Hey, Ahmed Beis, describes in graphic detail how she changed her uniform three times a day. Paitifer's credit card was quite maxed out. This lady was doing a lot of shopping. Shachris Minchemairev, breakfast, lunch, dinner, she came with a new uniform. She promised Yosef the world for five minutes. And she threatened him with the worst torture if he doesn't obey. 
What gave him the fortitude to say no? The answer is, Vayimoyin. You know why he refused? Because the Muzdi Yoikno Shal Yaakov Ed Gehata Tatevasot Gigloiptinem. At a moment of truth, he saw that he has a father who believes in him. Yaakov's Vayimoyin is what prompted Yosef's Vayimoyin. Vayimoyin means refuse. Vayimoyin comes from the word Imun, Emune, confidence, trust. He had a father who empowered him, who believed in him, who trusted in him. And that's why in the abyss, he could look up and see an image of that father. What's bevigdoi? Listen to this. Beged is miloshin. Boiged. Why is beged called in Hebrew a beged? You know what a boged is, yeah? In Yiddish, afareter. For those who still know Yiddish. Afareter, a traitor. A beged betrays. I could be a schnorrer, but I wear Rothschild's begodim. I could be a gvir, but I wear a homeless garment. People invest a lot of energy into their clothes. The look, the label design, the image you project, the type of suit, the type of tie, the type of knot, type of glasses, and it's poshet. Beged is boiged, none do with truth. None do with truth, God them conceal. You know what she did? You know how she chapped Yosef? Like Aishas Poitifa chaps many of us. Like the Yetzirah chaps many. She chapped him by his b'gida. By his down moments. She said, look at you. You know that your brothers hate you. You know that your father may be the one who did it to you. You are Masalsa Basaroi. You were dreaming about things your brothers weren't dreaming of. Go all the way. Let it go. Enjoy life. Isn't that the message that many a child hear? You're anyway not going to be the God of Hadar. You're anyway not going to be like your Chavrusa. He already finished three Masechtas this year. And you're having a hard time one Abed Gemara with Rashi. And we know how much percent of the class is it. Your IQ is anyway not like him. You're not a bookworm like him. You're a social animal. You're dreaming of taking over the world. You're not going to succeed. And how many boys and how many girls... Their energy is sapped out of them because of that message. You're a boygade. Somehow we equate academic excellence with a relationship with God. I don't know who invented that idol. Who invented that idol? The fact that somebody is less social and has a better IQ and could sit at a book for more hours makes him superior in the eyes of the Rebbeinu Shalolam. V'atispeseyu bevigdoi. V'ayazoiv bigdoi biyada. says, I'm not a boygeid. I'm a child of Yaakov. D'muzdi yoiknoi. V'ayonaz v'ayetzi ha'chutza. Say chazal the chutza of Avram. L'may l'mietz teginus ha'shamayim. He went out of all of the limitations, the predictions, the definitions that society, and sometimes from society, puts on him. That's where Reb Yochanan learned how to speak to Reish Lakish. Vayimoyin, vayamin, vehemin, 
You're not a boygit. It's not true. Do you have downer moments? Of course. Do you have struggles? Do you have challenges? Of course. And who says the Reboina Shaloylam is afraid of people who have challenges? How do you create a society of perfect people? How do you create a normally healthy yeshiva where boys or girls are not allowed to speak about their struggles? And to speak about your struggles may cost you a shidduch. How can people be healthy that way? It creates neurotics, psychotics. They said, what's the difference between neurotics, psychotics, and psychiatrists? So neurotics build castles in the air. Psychotics live in those castles. The psychiatrists collect the rent from both of them. And the rent is very, very high. It's very, very expensive. Ayid Abelzer Chosset tells me there was a Yid. Achsidish Yid Abelzer, Ab Yaakov Naiman. He had a yeshiva in Petach Tikva. A real chsidish, chsidish yeshiva. The boys tell him, Rebbe, Saturday night, he goes to the theater. Now you understand that in a Hasidic yeshiva, that's like your Yavr. Some other places of Chinas Rishus. Okay, it's a separate sugya. But there, so he tells them, he says, next to Movas, a guy, next time he leaves, so, you know, boys, they could get close to the Rosh Hashiva by informing on somebody else. It's a great temptation, right? We used to have our names for them in Yeshiva. We won't talk about it. But you all know that classmate, right? You still love him. And uh, it's a certain type of tipus, and they never change usually. When you're 60, it happens in other ways. But there's all the tipus, there's all the psychologische profile. So... Uh, so they excitedly, they say, Rebbe, Rebbe, a gate, a gate, a, he's going, he's going. He's taking the train to the theater. So the Rosh Hashiva, his name was Abyakov Naiman, he goes, takes a taxi, I'm on it, and he goes to the movie theater. The poor kid is innocent. He comes out of the train, confidently, you know, he's out of the Dalaramas of the Yeshiva, Machaya, Saturday night, party time. And he walks into the theater, and who's standing there at the front door right there? By the signs, you know, with all the titles, etc., Rabbi Yaakov Naiman. Azoi ponim be ponim. He looks, he's pale, he's red, he's green, he's white. Right there by the entrance. He wasn't up to the corner away. He says he's going to his grandmother's sister's Leviathan. Right there. Rosh Shiva looks at him, says, I don't understand you. He's like, It's winter. And those of you who escaped from New York to Florida know exactly what I'm talking about. Sevinte. Those guys start on a mantle. How do you go without a coat? You can't go without a coat. Where's your coat? Why didn't you come with a coat? Look at the beast. Takes off his coat. He has a good foot. You know those Hasidic Rebbe's, the foot is the good fur coats. You know what I mean? I don't know where they pick them up, but they pick them up. It's a machaya. It's like the male minks that they create. And uh, he takes off this, this coat, he puts it on the boy, and he says, Listen, Zoldevolgen, have fun tonight. But Norman, the mantle, don't go anywhere without the mantle. I don't want you to get sick. Enjoy yourself, I'll admit the mantle. He says, Rebbe, you need a coat. He says, No, I'm already on the way home. I have to be here, I'm on the way home. I'm taking a taxi, I'll be fine. Tomorrow morning, whenever you come back, you leave, drop off the coat in the yeshiva's office.
I get the Vach, gives him a kiss, and he leaves. The Bach told over the story. He says, I went to the movie theater. I sat down. I'm looking at the cinema, I'm looking at the stage at the play. I couldn't see anything. All I was thinking for two hours was the Byakov's mantle, my Rosh Hashiva's coat. That's all I was thinking about. Ah, his coat, his coat, his coat. It changed his life. It changed his perspective. We live in a generation today, and maybe all generations, our boys and girls need the coat. They need the information. They need academic excellence. They need to be challenged intellectually and stimulated intellectually, no question. But above everything else, they need to hear that God loves them unconditionally. They need to hear that He believes in them unconditionally. And they need to hear that despite mistakes and sins and transgressions, there's a relationship that will never ever be tarnished. As we live in Ikhvis of the Meshicha, it's time to remember the ton of the Be'li Yohu Rabbe Perik Yudalit. It's a half of a fella, the ton of the Be'li Yohu, and you could look it up. Zak de Metana de Velio, Elio, one of he says, I met a Yid. And he says, Rebbe, Shnei Dvorim Ani Oyhev Bechol Libi. Listen, there's two things I love with all my heart. What are the two things? Torah, V'Yisrael. Torah and the Jewish people. No, what's the Shaila? He says, but I want to know about Shaila. What's the Shaila? Eze Mehem Kodem Lemi. Which one comes first? Sashayla. Both I love. Amarti loy. Torah v'Yisrael kodmuli oilam. The only things that preceded the world. And he brings the psukim. Shem kanoni reishis darkoi. Kodesh Yisrael Hashem reishis tvu osa yirmi. Roiv bnei odom oimrim. Torah kodmuli Yisrael. Das Akol, most people say Torah precedes the Jew. I want to know what's the machloikis here? What's the gedra machloikis? What's the pshat? Perhaps it's two Ashkafas. Two real Ashkafas in Chinuch. Ashkafa number one. The aside of everything is Torah. That comes before everything. You want to have a good life? You want to have a relationship with Hashem? You want to live up to His expectations? You have Torah. Torah gives you legitimacy. Torah justifies your existence. And what happens if you don't have Torah? You're worthless. You're a piece of garbage. One approach. Elio Anavi says, no. Ani yoimi Yisrael kadmo. The Yisoyda Yisoydis is a hafti eschem Amar Hashem. A Yiddish in Hashemah like the Shalot, the Reishis Chochmah, the Arizal, the Ramchal, the Nefesh HaChayim, the Balatanya, and Nefesh HaShen is Yisrael. He, Chelek Eloika Mimal Mamash. And just like nothing can destroy Chas V'Sholem, the Reboi Neshaloylam, Nothing can destroy the Gedusha, the holiness 
of a Jew and his essential relationship with Hashem. And just like no mother sitting here looks at her boy or girl and says, you're too dirty, I'm not your mother anymore. Hashem will never say that about a Jew. That's Yisoyda Yisoydas. Torah is Hashem's gift to the Jew. You want to be able to live this love 24 hours a day. You want to be able to breathe in this relationship your whole life. You want to be able to reveal this connection. So you have Torah, you have mitzvahs. Rabbi Yankel was my cousin. He said over that he heard this from the Stiplegon. I've said it and people told me it can't be. I don't know. Rabbi Yankel Galinsky said he heard it from the Stipler. So I'm telling you the Vart. Listen to the Vart. You never ask the question. Yaakov is sent by his rich father, very rich father, to go find a Shidduch without five dollars in his wallet. Who does this to a son? Kibemakli of Ardiasayardin, a stick. Eliezer goes for three days to find a girl, and Avram gives him half of Switzerland. Yitzchok sends his son for 20 years to settle. Epis, something? No, not $10 to start off. And he knows the crook he's going to be dealing with. What's Pshat? So everybody knows the classic Rashi and Vayetze. Every yeshiva bocher knows. Every kid knows. Every girl knows. What does Rashi say? Yaakov went with a lot. Esav sent his son Eliphaz to kill him. He comes to Yaakov and he's ready to kill him. What does he say? I can't. Why? Rashi. Lefisha Godal. He grew up in the bosom of Yitzchak. He couldn't touch. But, But that's what it sounded like again. I'm just doing, you know, graphic illustrations to keep you awake. Remember, in Esau's family, Kibudov was no small thing. The Tate haste Harginen, Gateman Harginen. Right, the face of was in yeshiva. Stop making cheshboynus and this. Pikoch nefesh doyche kibudov. Whatever. My father's mam nishmamish has atzadik. The gemara in yevamis oisa ma'isa amcha yevamis chavbeis. My father is not the god ladar. Okay, but Eliphaz wasn't a yeshiva bocher. So what does Yaakov tell him? Yaakov should have told him, "Your father's a criminal. He's a murderer. Get out of here." Yaakov starts giving him a shear. Gives him a shear. The male have an eitzah for you. Take away my money. You killed me. There was a chalois of killing me. And now you are yotzah the mitzvah. You can go home, b'shalom. And you know what? He does that. <laughs> he does that. Takes away the money. Keep a makli. I'm left with makli. I ask you a question. The Pasek says and told Yitzchak was a novi. Yitzchak was amud hayireh. Not amud hachesed. Amud Hayir. He was the strict one. Midas Hadin. Yokuv Hadin Esor. Yitzchok was not the type that we call, you know, the forgiving, liberal, open-minded, so open-minded that there's nothing left inside. Yitzchok was Amud Hayir. Who does he have raised in his bosom? Eliphaz. Who was this Tzatzke called Eliphaz? 
So if you follow the last aliyah, which the last two aliyahs today, which the end of Ayishlach, let's face it, most people, it's like, whoa. After you're done with Dina and everything else, it's like Vayishlach, the drama doesn't stop. People are not busy analyzing the genealogy of Esav, but the Rambam says that Achois Leuten Timnen and Noichi Hashem Alekecha have the same Kedusha. Hashem wants you to know Anoichi Hashem Alekecha. He also wants you to know exactly who Zalifa's kids were. Every one of them. And who the Pilakshim were. Somehow God thinks it's important information. Who was this Tzatzke called Alifaz? So the Gemara in Sanhedrin and Chalik, and Rashi quotes a little bit of it. He was quite an f- interesting figure. For starters, he decided to go to his father's wife and have a baby with her, and he named the baby Koirach. So even the Sheva Mitzvah's Bnei Noyach, his father's wife, Aishas Oviv, it's not enough for him. He goes to another married woman, Take goes with her and has another baby. The baby is called Timna. That's not enough. He marries his own daughter. And who do they produce? Amalek. Describing to you a little bit of this tzatzke, this tachshit called Eliphaz. Yitzchak should have looked at Eliphaz, even when he was young, he was a Navi, and say, this kid, enough that I had with his father. Now the next generation, Eliphaz, you go somewhere else. He kept him in his bosom. He kissed him, he loved him, he embraced him. Okay, so you'll say he wasted his time. He wasted his time. Look what he did. He wasted his time. Because Yitzchak loved Eliphaz. The Jewish people were saved for eternity. Because if not, Eliphaz would have killed Yaakov. And not one of us would be sitting here today. Netzach Yisrael would have not emerged into history. The reason Kalal Yisrael was saved was because what Yitzchak did for Eliphaz. Don't underestimate it. Even though Eliphaz did not turn out to become the quintessential Rabban Shalkol Bnei Agoyle. Amud Hayomin Patish Achoizik Rashkibahag. And even the title of a Bentoira, even Ziburis de Ziburis, he wouldn't fit into. Atkidekach, he went to the other extreme. Don't underestimate what Yitzchak accomplished. If this is the case, Tayyid Eden, come back with me to Shimon Hatzadik. Shimon Hatzadik was a Kohen Gadol. As Rabbi Yossel mentioned, the Rambam in Hilchis Shmita V'yoyvil, the end, Loi Shevet Levi Bilvad. Kalisha Shenod V'ruchoy Yoysoy. Harazin is Kaddish, Kodesh Kodesh. And those are the words of the Rambam. And he even says, Mikol Boy Oilam. A Chidush Godel, it's Mashma Mamish, any human being. If he dedicates himself to Hashem. The Koyin Godel is Shimon Atzadik. 40 years he's serving in Bayashani, but you know what happened in his times. Alexander the Great conquered the world. Hellenism began, and Shimon Atzadik saw the process that will lead to the story of the Messiavnim and ultimately the Hashmanoi revolt, which would give us a Hanukkah. Shimon Atzadik lived in a great day. It wasn't dark yet, but it was getting there. And as all 
Jews in different generations, he had his feelings of pessimism. What's going to be? What's going to be the future? As we heard over Shabbos, and generally when Jews meet, we give a sign, what's going to be? Every generation with its shyness and challenges. But he walked into the Kodesh HaKadosh. You know what he saw? He saw an old man. I'm not sure the old man was an old man. It was Ruach Yisrael Sava. It was the spirit of the Jewish people that is very old. He saw Netzach Yisrael and it was Lavush Levenim, Va'atav Levenim. It was white. Kashela Yalbinu was beautiful. It was bright. And he realized when you walk into the Kodesh HaKadoshim of Ayid, when you walk into the Kodesh HaKadoshim of the year, when you walk into the Kodesh HaKadoshim of, the pl- of a place of the Beis HaMikdash, you see whiteness. And he came out inspired, invigorated, empowered. And he went on another year as the spiritual leader of Bnei Hashem, Amasha. One year he walks into Kodesh HaKadoshim and you know what he sees? He sees an old man. And the old man is black. And he comes out and he says, I'm dying this year. I'm not going to live. What happened? He looked at the Jewish history, at the Jewish story, and he saw blackness. He saw darkness. He saw the sun setting. He saw a dark future. And he told his students, I'm going to leave the world. And that's what he does. What happened? Why? The answer, my dear friends, is simple and deep. If you want to be a Jewish leader, if you want to be a Jewish educator, if you want to be a Koyen Godel by Eden, an activist, a supporter, a Goymel Chesed, an Askin, a Mechanech, a Rebbe, a manig Yisrael, there's one prerequisite. And the prerequisite is you have to be able to look at your generation and see the whiteness of your children. See their brightness, see their beauty, see their splendor, see their luminescence, see their sacredness, see their infinite potential. But if I look at a generation and I say, Feh, Ashande, it's not like it used to be. I see blackness. I see a doomed future. I see negativity. I see problems. I see flaws. And I cannot identify the glory of my students, of my children, of my communities, of my people, of my constituents. I have to evacuate the seat. And I have to give it to somebody else. I cannot be a Kohen Godel. Yes, I have to be honest about every one of our challenges. There's a lot of pain And there's a lot of things we shoved under the carpet for many years that we have to confront now painfully. We all know what that is or don't know. Well, we'll find out. We know that there's a lot of challenges financially, emotionally, socially, etc. But my underlying premise is, ah, look at these kids. Look at this nation. Look at these children. Look at these students. Look at them. See the light, see the brightness. When they saw a fox coming out of Kodesh HaKadoshim, the end of Marcus, everybody is crying, besides one man. Who? Rabbi Akiva is Mesachik. Why? He says, listen, I know there's a fox coming out of Kodesh HaKadoshim. You know what a fox is? Pikeach Shebechayis, leaving the Kodesh HaKadoshim. I know that. 
But Rabbi Akiva, who is responsible, the Gemara says in Sanhedrin Peivov, Kulu Aliba the Rabbi Akiva. The whole Torah goes according to Rabbi Akiva, from Rabbi Akiva. Rabbi Akiva says, You want a whole Torah? You have to be able to be Mesachek. You have to be able to look at our future and raise your spirits with joy, with confidence, with determination, with optimism. You have to be able to see Zion was plowed like a field. But you also have to be able to see and as Toysva says in Tainas Dafyud, Yerushalayim stands for two words. Yira Shalim. Complete, complete Yira. So here's the deal. All of us sitting in this room, in one way or another, are Koyanim G'doylem. Are serving Hashem. Every person is a koyan. Every Jew is a koyan gadol. Balaturim says, "Va'atam ti yolim amleches koyanim koyanim gadolim." Every Jew is a koyan gadol. Every Jew is an echo, a baskel of Shimon Atzadik. There comes a generation where, more than any other time, we have to go into the kodesh hakadoshim of our children and see the zokein echad lavush levenim va'atuf levenim. And for this, we have to remember a few of the biggest yisoidus. Number one. The Rebbeinu Shalolim is not afraid of diversity. Why does anybody associate religious commitment with everybody being the same? Who ever heard of such a thing? The Gemara in Sanhedrin says, Ain't they say in Shavas? Ain't parts of Fey in Shavas? Torah is not so small. Arucha Meyeritz Midah. Don't turn Torah into a box and make children feel that if they don't fit into my box, they have no relationship to God. Infinity has no boxes. Hashem could have made a uniform world. He did not. 9,000 species of birds. Hundreds of millions of insects, different types. Thousands of mammals. Even animals, no two the same. And we really think our children are all going to be the same, look the same, think the same. Diversity is woven into the fabric of Knesset Yisrael and of the entire universe. What is more, the Rebbeinu Shalom is not afraid of struggle. The Nitziv teaches it in marriage. A good marriage is when you have a wife who disagrees. Forgive me. In Sifre Chsidis it says, Adam is Hashem, Adam Elian, Loi Toive Yoisa, Adam Levadoi. Hashem didn't want to be alone. Eseloi Ezekin Negdoi. He wanted we should help him, Kivayochel, by creating opposition. Avoidus Hashem is not devoid of struggle. A life of Torah is not devoid of struggle. Torah encompasses struggle. Ezekin Negdoi, that's my path. We all have our challenges, internal, psychological, emotional. Let's not stigmatize people because they're not perfect. Who creates societies of perfect people? You can't. We need to create space for people to be real, honest, authentic, raw, emotionally exposed to the right people in the right situations so they can grow organically, holistically, naturally. And Torah is not afraid of creativity. 
We don't have to stifle creativity. Torah allows for emotional creativity, physical creativity, spiritual creativity, all forms of creativity. It enriches Torah, it doesn't threaten Torah. And Hashem wants people to be successful and happy and maximize their potentials. Every child should understand that the great objective of Torah and of Yiddishkeit is to make him or her the most successful, happiest person in the world. Somebody that lives every day to the fullest, lives with their soul, lives with their body to the fullest. Yagdil Torah v'yadir. Aruch So yes, there's a lot on the agenda and a lot ahead of us. But every single person here who's going to go home, back to our corners, back to our communities, back to our schools, back to our work, back to our constituents. Remember, sometimes you look at yourself and you see yourself as small and insignificant. Remember the power that every single person has to look at a teenager, to look at a child, to look at a girl, to look at a young man, to look at a young woman, somebody we're connected to in one way or another way, and be able to empower them individually and collectively with those two words of Chelach, Loi Raisa. See the whiteness, see the infinity, see the bright future, and see the Yesh Muskeinim Muskeinos. Birchoyves Yerushalayim b'mheira b'yamenu. Amen. Thank you. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.